Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Kings Cast with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy's on Instagram at ziggies.stockton. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. We're coming off of a really fun episode 129 just last week. Ryan and I came on and talked about the Kings' early season success. It was a fun episode, and if you're looking for that episode or any of our others, you can always find those streaming on the Believe Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Bringing in my co-host today, as always, Ryan. What's good? What is going on, everybody? It is a Sunday night. Currently, the Washington Commanders and the uh, New York Football Giants are playing on Sunday Night Football. Uh, you know, I, I really just want to start with the the podcast by saying my bets are fucking killing it today um you know nice little it's gonna be a nice little chunk of change come tomorrow when i get that payout or whenever it happens but uh you know kings kings had a pretty uh semi-successful road trip what are they three and three i believe is what it was coming back home tomorrow against charlotte so um you know things have just really been on the up and up man you know we're not even to christmas and uh, Kings look like they're in a good place. I'm suspecting that the trade, uh, the trade market is going to start firing up any day now, now that we're past the December 15th, uh, for those recently signed restricted guys. So, um, you know, every, everything's on the up and up, man. We're approaching the holidays and the new year and stuff. And I, I can honestly say, if you had asked me four months ago, if Sacramento would be in this place, I would probably have said probably not. Uh, but here we are and I'm fucking loving it. Here for it for sure, man. Yeah, a lot, lot to talk about. I, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna talk about that later. I was one of the things I was talking about, thinking in my head, like, oh, you know, what are some hot things right now in Kings, Kingsland? I was thinking about when is it that we're gonna talk about those trades. So maybe, maybe we'll kind of get a, into that as we go into the episode. Um, yeah, fun little stretch. It's nice to go on a on a, on a road trip, Ryan, and not get obliterated and lose to a bunch of random ass teams that you should be losing to. I mean, they did lose to the Knicks. So there's that, but uh, hey, they beat the Raptors. Raptors are kind of falling apart. I was reading something about an hour ago about the Raptors on Twitter. They're kind of falling apart, uh, taking care of the Pistons. There's that, and losing to the Sixers. So, oh, like you said, semi-successful when you you know if you take it, you know, five hundred or so on a road trip like that, not bad. Uh, that's how you know. That's how you avoid. Uh, becoming a bottom team or fringe team is that's the difference right there. It's just kind of taking care of some business and not going on an O for six or a one, one for five or something like that, which the Kings have done. So in the past to this point, the, the Kings, I feel like have shown that they, they can kind of tread water when they, you know, th- they had a little injury. So we can get into all that. Uh, but before breaking the take Kings talk, right. I, I was excited to bring the player um, to you, but you know what? I got to read this one. I got to read the bet online, man, because you talked about the bets. 
We've been betting. Basketball's been great. So I got to let me break that in before I get to the player this week. So uh, basketball's back and bet online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, players, news, and game trends at bet online. And as a continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. But use that promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. I had someone reach out to me recently, Ryan, that used the Bet Online code from the podcast. And I, and I said, well, did you use the believe, uh, you know, bonus? And he's like, oh, dude, I forgot. I'm like, well, that's pretty dumb. <laughs> you <could've>, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you know, 50% welcome bonus. Like, why would you not take, you, you, you know, it, betting's a losing game as it is. Take what you can. So not off to a good start there. Um, but yeah, a lot of betting. Okay, I got a player for you. Uh, I was excited to bring this one to you because uh, I, this is kind of a random player, but I was I always like this player. Uh, six foot seven, Ryan. He was uh he's 45 years old now, so you can, you can get that that age range. So six foot seven, two twenty. Um, he went to Michigan State from ninety-five to two thousand, first round pick, twenty-first overall by the Toronto Raptors. Shooting guard slash small forward. I'll leave it at shooting guard sm- slash small forward because I think that won't hurt you. Uh Raptors two thousand to oh seven, Hornets, 07 to two thousand ten, and Oklahoma City Thunder from two thousand ten to two thousand eleven. All rookie first team oh one. He averaged. Let me pull it up. Da, 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 da. You want to keep going, or should I just give it to you now? Do you know? Oh, do you know it? You know, you yeah, know it already. Yeah, yeah. The second you said Michigan State, Morris Peterson. Oh yeah, Mo Pete, Mo Pete. Uh, you left-handed. That was a lefty. left-handed six-seven. The, the lefty special. If if I if I recall, it was him, Mateen Cleaves, and Jason Richardson on that two together. I believe I believe that's accurate. Somebody might have to call me on that, but I believe is Mateen Cleese, Morris Peterson, and, and and Jason Richardson all in the Michigan State team two thousand together. Yeah, I'll have to pull that one up. Yeah. Mateen Cleves. Mateen uh, Cleves. What, what a bust. Yeah. Well, you know. Things happen. Things happen. Whatever. They, one of these days, like in the offseason, we'll have to go to like random college players who tore it up in college, but then by the time they got to NBA, it just didn't happen. You know. Oh, I, I, got, not, I got a plethora. I have a well, plethora. What I don't I don't mean busts though, because there's there were always guys that were really good in college, but then they weren't even drafted really high. You know, they weren't even drafted yeah. really high. I mean, but then they there, there's a lot of guys, man. You know, one of the one of the best college players ever, in my opinion, that I ever saw, uh, and and probably my favorite college player of all time, Rashad McCants. You know, Rashad McCants was the two guard for those UNC UNC teams in the early two thousands with Sean May and. Um, you know, those, those, those guys and Rashawn McCants was very, very, very good in college and, you know, just didn't really turn out anything, but I have a plethora of early two thousands college basketball players who turned out to be uh, pretty much nothing in the NBA. So we should definitely do that podcast one day. If you're going to do one, I'm going to do one. The guy for me, Josh Childress, Josh Childress was so sick at Stanford. He was big. He was, I I thought he was going to be better than he was in the NBA. So that that's my rant. He had, guy. he had, so he got drafted then he went away for a few years and I want to say he played in China and then Josh Childress came back, I believe in the NBA and Josh Childress had like 
a one good year. Like it was like one good year where it was like, holy shit, Josh Childress is a really good NBA player. But you know what his problem was, man? My guy cut the afro, you know, in, in you know, number one. He was number one with the huge afro. I want to say Stanford was the number one team in the nation that year. They went through their little run. And the guy was just six foot seven, I believe, and could do it all athletic and just, yeah, you know, never really panned out in the NBA. But that is that is a, definitely a good pull right there. Yeah, well, another game for another day. So, Kings, Kings, let's talk about the Kings, Ryan. I don't even know where to start with the Kings. I think that you could we could start off here. De'Aaron Fox dealt with a little injury uh, and dipped statistically. And that didn't come out. So, for a couple of games, it was kind of quiet on that. And all of a sudden, it was he had a couple of bad stretches of games. I'm like, well, yeah, he's been dealing with whatever, whatever. So... That's promising, and I'll start off by asking you this question. It's a little promising for the Kings that they their best player went through, uh, you know, an injury like that, and they kind of with, withstood that. I feel like in years past that was not the case at all. So I guess for me that just shows to the depth, and it shows to some of the talent at other positions or other players, I guess. Biggest uh, gap filler for the Kings right there was kind of take away – on where the roster shaping up and who's kind of stepping up right now. Who's who's kind of on your mind? Well, let's. I mean, dude. Well, let's talk about Sabonis, man. I mean, Sabonis's rebounding numbers in in the last pretty much December have been unreal. Was he got two twenty rebound games in the last three weeks? I believe. Um, you know, Sabonis is just really just getting comfortable and filling that void for them. You know, we, and me and you have come on here and, and talked about it for a while that for the last few years, we'd go to games and we instantly, instantly bet the over on the incoming center, right, on rebounds. I haven't done that once this year. Sabonis so has been killing the boards, and that's something that, um, you know, it, it, it's really changed the Kings. And, you know, everybody wanted to talk about how bad defensively they were. And me and you have always come on here and say, well, you know, defense starts with rebounding, and they haven't had a rebounder since DeMarcus Cousins. Um, so bonuses came in and cleaned up the boards. Not only clean up the boards, but he's efficient offensively. And let's be real, when De'Aaron Fox was out, man, the offense ran through him 90% of the time, right? There's multiple times a game the guy brings the ball up the court. He's getting the ball at the high post. He's doing the dribble handoff, setting screens, rolling to the basket. So... Um, I think above anything else, it's really been the emergence of DeMontis Sabonis early on in the season, especially with Aaron Fox being out. That's really led them to the 16 and 12 record. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a real believer in if the season uh, was at the all-star break right now, Sabonis is in for sure. Um, the guy has been an extremely uh, valuable player. He, and he's really been the X factor. Um, so you know, people want to look back at the trade from almost a year ago. And, you know, I know a lot of people are hung up on Halliburton, but um, I really think with the record with Sacramento's at, the the things that Sabonis does for Sacramento is, uh, you know, it's huge, man. So it's been, it's been a pleasure to watch. I really, really enjoy it. You know you're going to get bare minimum, bare minimum double-double from that guy every single night with probably five or six or six five or six assists. So it's just really been great, man. Um, hopefully Darren Fox can come back in, get a little healthy. He had a really good game the other night against Detroit. Was it? I think it was Detroit. He had a really good game. I want to say 26 points or something like that. So, um, you know, you brought it up as well. A couple years ago, man, even last year, 
De'Aaron Fox misses times and, you know, Sacramento's one and four on a road on a road trip or they're, you know, two and six in the span that the guy misses games. And that's not happening, man. They sustained, you know, they sustained success. They weathered the storm in a three and three road trip when you had to go to uh, Philadelphia in the midst of that on a back to back with Toronto and all that stuff. Uh, it's just really good shit, man. And, and it's really impressive, man. So bonus has been a, he, he, he's really been the work, the workhorse. Um, what's his name? Jalen Duran from Detroit. Let's talk about this real quick. I'm sure everybody's seen the, you know, the, the video that came out and the report that he, you know, he was asking questions after the game and how good is Sabonis with, you know, how hard is it to guard him without fouling? And the guy was like, it's not that hard. Get the fuck out of here, dude. He absolutely destroyed that guy. You know, granted, good for you. Confidence you're 19 years old, but uh, Sabonis is a freaking menace to anybody who has to guard him in the NBA. And I'm, I'm really, really happy. I think that things have worked out as about as best as they can with Sabonis so far. I'm glad you went to Sabonis first. That's where my head was at, but that's the obvious one. So anybody who watches Kings basketball knows that's the obvious one. And there's a couple others there we'll get into. With Sabonis, something we we were about, when that when the trade went down, we were, uh, I don't want to say one of the few, but maybe one of the few that were all, we were ecstatic, right, about that. We put out the episode, Monty, Big Balls, McNair. A month prior to the trade deadline, you and I went on there and, and did an episode about Tyrese Halliburton. And it wasn't really a knock on Tyrese Halliburton because I don't knock Tyrese Halliburton. I think Tyrese Halliburton is good and is going to be good. And obviously, you can see he's good. But I think for us, for the last two years, and then for a month up to that trade deadline, we could cut, we kind of envisioned something like this. Uh, if you to a call back to some of our past episodes, even Ryan, where we, the Rashawn Holmes stuff, where we were knocks on. Rashawn Holmes were. We did an episode almost two years ago called the single superstar conundrum. And it was about how you just can't have one good player that doesn't get you anywhere. So like all of those episodes and all that time, you, you know, led up to a month before the trade deadline last year, which is about a year ago, we released this episode about Tyrese Halliburton. And, and what we envisioned was a team that had depth that had uh, specialists in different areas and had versatility of lineups, but also had multiple all-star caliber players. And that's why we were so excited by that. We could see that uh, if, if the Kings had made that move, that it would probably, you know, turn the turn the team into a trajectory that I don't think that they would have gone had they not have done that. And I think early this season with the new coaching staff and new roster, and I still think, I still consider where we're at right now early in the season. It's a very long season. But even earlier, first couple weeks, first month, growing pains, Sabonis started off a little slow. And I think that the usage of certain players' rotations and has evolved. I posted a video this past week and we are not play breakdown guys, so we've never been the type to come on here and do that. But it talked about how, you know, the how Sabonis is one of the few guys in the NBA that adds versatility from the center position where you can do different stuff with. And so this video specifically kind of broke down the Warriors offense and a lot of the movement between the guards and perimeter players and broke that down. But it also broke down like how Jokic is used. Um, you know, how he gets the ball in the high post, how he can kind of distribute uh, the ball f- uh, in transition, get the ball out to the perimeter when 
having it in the post. So it was a good video and a good breakdown. And it kind of goes back to something we had said when, when he was struggling early this season and, and, you know, there's some people were still kind of having their, their doubts, if you will, or you and I came on the podcast specifically and said, you know what, like Sabonis is not, uh, you know, he, he, he's maybe not a top 10 player or whatever in the NBA. Right. But because he's, he's a center. So few teams have a center that have skill versatility like that guy plus the rebounding. And we really said that there were only probably a couple of them that in the NBA that that are on teams and are actually make an impact. And I think that when you talk about that, it's the premier players, it's the Embiid's, it's the it's and it's the Jokic's. And then, you know, when when healthy, I guess, Anthony Davis, you know, but um, and I, I'm kind of leaving out Carl Anthony Towns. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know, that's the Carl Anthony Towns. You know, I I don't know. I don't know if he kind of falls into that. He into the same thing in the center. I I don't know. So uh, because he's his skill set, I thought it was special and had a potential to be. And so I guess that I I'm I'm, I'm ex- my point is is I liked where the Kings are at now, where they're actually getting everything out of him, and it's actually translating on the court. And the fact that he's in the conversation for, for you know all star potential player at this point shows that they're doing the right thing by him, and it's kind of working out, I guess. Hundred percent. Let, let me look at his last uh, his last few games. I want to bring up his stats real quick. If my thing will freaking load in here, oh, what a horrible time not to load. But uh, you know, I hundred percent agree, man. Sabonis, <clears throat> game changer, right? He 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 fills some huge voids that Sacramento's been lacking over the last few years. Okay, here we go. We loaded. All right. Over the last few games, 23 and 13 and 7, 21, 20 and 7, 22, 10 and 5, 20, 10 and 5, 18, 18 and 6, 23, 12 and 7, 11, 17 and 10. Holy crap. Right? Like when you're putting up those kind of numbers, man, especially with you know a few of those games with Darren Fox missing it is huge man showing the ability of him to step up i saw something the other day um somebody had posted in kingsland and i can't remember off the top of my head who it was but um they brought up why doesn't sabonis shoot more right like he's so efficient and i want to say he's only shooting i and don't quote me on this maybe 10 times a game right people are talking about why is he not getting 17 18 shots a game and uh, I, I agree, especially with Darren Fox not being out. I would like to see – that is the one thing with Sabonis is I would like to see you uh, uh, score a little bit more when Darren Fox is out or if Darren Fox is nursing the foot injury or whatever. But uh, no complaints so far, man, at, at all. And um, you know, But there has been other guys who have stepped up. Yeah. Uh, well, the scoring. Okay, the scoring. I, I'm – I was thinking the same thing because I, I, I always pull up the stats. He's sitting at 17.7 right now a game. When, and I really thought I was going to be like 20 points a game this year. Um, so I, I, I get you on that. But like you said, it's not really – a. it's one of those things, man. Like I'm not – I don't complain. I know you're not doing this, but people do this. So that's why I'm saying this. I'm not going to complain when things are working, you know. And that's something that I think people – Kings fans have done over, over time is that – They'll win or players will have success in a certain area, but it's not the way they wanted it, you know, what they they predicted or wh- how they wanted the Kings to win or have success. So what they do is they kind of hate and try to find holes. 
And so for me, like, yeah, I, I would like to see him score more. I'd like to see Darren Fox score more. But at the same time, Kevin Herter, 15 points a game. Malik Monk, almost 15 points a game. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about that. I, until it's not working, then I can pick some holes up. But, um, you know, I, I think it's being it's being made up elsewhere. I like that. I think when De- the, the thing about Darren Fox being out, Ryan, that is a difference this year. And it's something we've always wanted, dude. It's, it's always that we always say that. You gotta in the NBA, you gotta have guys who can just kind of go off when someone else isn't. And that's what Malik Monk's doing. Yeah, you know, that's what Malik Malik Monk is doing. And then even honestly, Keegan Murray's had a couple of big games too. So scoring's been picking up. Keegan Murray looks like he's kind of he's up and down. That's what you get when you're a rookie. But he had an 18-point game the other day. I think two of them were roughly around there. That's off the top of my head. So he kind of picked up the scoring. So it's it's like it's it's getting picked up. Yeah, you know, and it, and the the way they want to play ball is is kind of what they're doing, and and maybe they don't need them to do that as much, you know. I guess. Well, let's look at the last ten games, and I'm glad you went there. You know, Keegan Murray, twenty points, ten points, three points, right? And the three points was the loss to Philadelphia. I can accept that, but 18, 18, 15, 11, and twenty three. Um, if we're getting that type of production out of Keegan Murray, man, that's good things. Uh, good things are going to come for that. One one person you brought up was you know Malik Monk and Kevin Herter. Uh, Kevin Herter, for as hot as he started, and for you know him shooting, you know I, I, know, I remember people talking, oh he's shooting fifty percent for three. He's cooled down a lot, and the fact that the Kings are still able to weather the storm with Fox being out and Kevin Herter cooling down from the three point line is huge, man. Uh, but it's the depth, right? Between Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, and Keegan Murray, and then even Terrence Davis. At any point, man, you're going to get 20 from one of those guys every single night, and that's something that you can count on. That's something that Sacramento hasn't been able to say for a long time. You know, keep in mind, a couple of years ago, we were rolling out, and, uh, you know, we were really banking on Corey Joseph to give us double digits off the bench. And um, the Kings have come a long way from there, and the depth and the um, – you know, the the talent of actually having NBA players on your roster, it, it, it's showing. So uh, good things to come in. Hopefully Keegan Murray can keep improving. He did go through that huge slump shooting wise, but he seems to be coming out of that. And that's something uh, to really pay attention to moving forward. Terrence Davis is only averaging seven points a game, but that's an example right there of a guy who's kind of buried I consider him a bit a bit buried yeah. on on, yeah, on the 100%. roster. There's some games where he doesn't really he doesn't really get a lot of minutes. I think that's why his averages are, are low. I, I'm pulling up right now. He only averages 13 minutes a game. But you know from watching a lot of Kings games that when that, that guy has games though where he goes off. I mean, I went to a game where he dropped like 32. So it just like I said, it shows to the depth of it. And that's really where the Kings are gonna have to rely on. We're early in the season, and you know what I'm starting to see, Ryan? is that the Kings are kind of opening up the rotation uh, to a few more players. Be out of, and that's what happens in the NBA out of necessity. As the season goes on, you you kind of have to rely on the, um, you know, the 10, 11 guy on, on, the, on the roster to play, and that you got to actually get some production out of them. I think that it, it's... It's really idealistic that early in the season, yeah, you can shorten your rotation down to nine. And in the NBA playoffs, you can shorten your rotation down to nine. But pretty much from uh, December until the start of the playoffs, you have to rely on the depth of, of your roster. And so you want to be able to pull, 
you know, guy number nine, guy number 10, and get some production out of them. And really, if you do that, that's how you don't go on massive lulls, nine gamers, you know, like the Kings have done. Remember in the years past, two nine-game losing streaks. Two nine-game losing streaks. Mm -hmm. And and that's what's going to happen. And and I think that the next, for me, the next, the trend that I'm going to see over the next three weeks is going to be that the Kings are going to have to reach deeper into the roster out of necessity. And I'm curious to see what happens. So, um. with not being negative or pessimistic, Ryan, there is a little bit of worry. Not worry, but just like I said, just I don't I don't even know what the right the right word, concern or doubt or whatever you you know, that they're gonna have to rely on certain guys. And and I, I'm kind of I wanna see how it goes. Cause I'm not really I don't have faith in certain players right now. I think that um uh, I'm seeing Rashawn Holmes, he's gotten into a couple games. Uh, lately, and that's kind of where I'm coming. Rashawn Holmes has gotten in, into some games. I've even seen Matthew Delvadova on the court in games. Um, Paula kind of found his way back in the rotation, and and I point this out because you know it wasn't long ago where those guys were getting DMP, 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 and it is what it was, right? The Kings are doing well, but you can't you can't do that all year. You're gonna burn your guys out or guys get hurt. You can't do that. So, um, I still think there's that back end of the of the roster that concerns me a little bit. And I think we can talk about now or as time goes on, but um, you know, it's like, like I said, it's, it's not really those two guys, Monk and, and Terrence Davis, particularly those, those two guys are, are kind of saving that if you will. And, and one thing moving forward too, uh, I saw something the other day that from this point on, I believe the Kings have the easiest, easiest strength of schedule till the end of the year. Take with that what you will. All right. But, you know, looking at a three and three road trip, you're sitting at six and 16 and 12. The next three games, you got Hornet, who's seven and 23, who's going to lose tonight. Um, You have the Lakers without Anthony Davis for a long time now. They're saying, I want to say six weeks at 12 and 16, you could take care of them. And then the Wizards, who are at 11 and 19, that's your next three home games. Um, You should be able to take care of those guys. Right. And then, you know, idealistically you're sitting at 18 and 13, right? Maybe you drop one and then you go into a back-to-back with the nuggets, which, you know, the nuggets, you know, people recency, a recency bias about them, you know, how great their regular season records are. And you have the two time defending MVP. You need to take care of those guys. I was looking at the roster today. Uh, The roster is not that impressive outside of Jokic. So, um, moving forward over the next one, two, three, four, five, six games throughout the rest of 22, which consists of the Hornets, Lakers, Wizards, Nuggets, Nuggets, Jazz. You got to win those, right? Um, sitting at 16 and 12, I would say man, you, the four of those games are extremely winnable, right? So if you can go into 2023 at what's that, 20 and 13, that is going to be something that's uh, uh, interesting to watch, man. Sacramento's at the point where I expect them to win games for you know against teams that they're better than, and then a, a, especially against like a Nuggets team when you have them at a back to back on con- on consecutive nights at home, you got to steal one of those, right? So uh, the the matchups are favorable. The team looks like it's healthy. Deeron Fox looks like he's kind of bounced back from that foot, so. Um, rolling into 2023, man, the momentum should be there. And that, you know, since 1215, those recently signed restrictions are up. Guys are going to start getting moved. So we're starting to get 
creeping closer to that trade deadline. And, you know, you're going to see a lot of teams that are in that tank for Wembenyama or whatever the hell his name is. So Sacramento should propel themselves into the upper half of the Western Conference here pretty soon. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it, man. Things are looking on the up and up. And um, like like I said at the beginning of the show, I, I didn't think three months ago that we'd be in this situation. But uh, good things look like they're coming. The only, you know, they've done a good job of in this part of the season to not bury themselves record wise, like some of these other teams have. I'm looking like the Mavericks are 500 at 15 and 15, Timberwolves 15 and 15, Lakers losing record, just got the injury. The Warriors are struggling, uh, and they're 15 and 16. So, well, some of those teams have buried them, but even so, it's not too many games behind. And so, the thing that does concern me though, like, is like I said, it's 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 relying on the deeper part of the roster to play more minutes it's knick-knack injuries or you know anything like that that kind of slows guys down for a couple game stretch um and i guess as the this is the kings fan in me ryan though it's it's that you know a, a small losing streak over oh and four kind of thing can really the it's so close pretty much from like the second, uh, the whole damn conference, really, but even particularly like the fourth seed all the way down until the eleventh, twelfth seed. I mean, we're talking just a, a very few amount of games that divides all of those teams, and so that's what worries me. Is though, is that the can they rely on the on the on the back end of the roster who hasn't been in the rotation? Can they form a deeper rotation? Because that's what it's going to take for them to not go on losing streaks. And I I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm not trying to be. I, I am optimistic because of where they're at it shows that they can hang on where they're at. But that factor does concern me. I think it's valid. I'm just going to point that out to be yeah, real. No, it is, right? The hesitancy, the the history of the Sacramento Kings. But I got the schedule up for 2023, the month of January, man. Look at this, dude. You have the Grizzlies, which, okay, but we play them well, right? And then you got the Jazz, Hawks, Lakers, Magic, Rockets, Rockets, Spurs, Lakers, Thunder. That's up until January 20th. This is a schedule that's extremely favorable. If you stay healthy, right, you should win most of those games right there. And then you start rolling into February. Like I said, February, where the trade deadline's coming around, teams are starting to tank. You're looking really, really good. And, uh, you know, as far as playoffs are concerned, everybody knows Steph Curry just came out and he's going to miss an extended period of time. Anthony Davis misses an extended period of time. Um, this is a time where Sacramento needs to take advantage of that schedule, propel themselves higher in the West. I think currently sitting at the five seed, man, I, 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 I can see them moving up. Honestly, dude, I, I really believe that. I, I've been looking at the schedule lately. I'm like, holy shit, man, Sacramento's really got favorable matchups moving forward, and they're freaking healthy. So um, we're going to see, man. I, I'm, I'm really excited moving into 2023 where the, uh, where the, the trend is for this team. I don't want to keep waiting to happen, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but I assume it will. It will because that's what every other NBA season has always ever done. It's I'm waiting for teams to to start grouping themselves, you know, really, really kind of separating and, and defining themselves in a group or a tier in the conference, and that's not happening. And maybe it's just because it's still early; it's not Christmas yet. There's there's a date I pulled up while you were talking. And that's February 9th. That's the trade deadline. And and I looked at a lot of games up until that point. And you're right. They do. They play they play the Rockets four times. They play the Spurs twice. And then they have the Pacers, 
Timberwolves in there twice. So there's, like you said, a lot of games. It, it's on a platter for them. It's 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 right there in front of them. It's on a platter, and they just need to take advantage of it. And so, you know, I I I think, like you said, as we stand and as we look at the roster now, you're clearly you clearly can say like that it should play out how it's been playing out. But that's why I said I I kind of wanted you to address my point there and like. You know, I, I don't have a belief, I guess, entirely, Ryan, on on the depth of if they have to go go deeper into the roster for like a large amount of games. That concerns me, not even just due to injury, just because that's what happens. I'm starting you. I'm starting to see it happen when I watch a lot of games. I'm seeing guys kind of get minutes and it's got different like, hey, they weren't doing that two weeks ago. They're doing that now and no one's really hurt. They're just kind of having to do it. So. I I think that 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 concerns. I kind of wanted you to address that. Do you you know? Do you believe on where they're at right now? Or I mean, where where do you see where where's your kind of concerns right now? Like where do you where do you not believe? Where do you not believe in that can cause you for concern? Well, the the only concern I have, if you stay healthy, you're fine. Okay, um, I think and and we'll get there a month from now. But I think the Kings aren't done with their roster. Um, but my only concern would be it's Deer and Fox. His numbers have dipped. He's at 22.6 per game. Um, he has missed some games. The foot is a problem, obviously. Um, if that guy misses extended period of time, if he, if he was to miss 10 games, can Sacramento sustain the success? And um, I think so with the favorable schedule, like I said, but uh, one person that that would rely on is Davion Mitchell. And and if, if we're being completely honest, man, Davion Mitchell has take a, taken a step back, I believe, in in his development in, in being an NBA point guard. Um, I think at this time last year, everybody thought that Davion Mitchell was training upwards to be a, a starter in the NBA at some point. Um, I'll, I'll be real with you, man. The guy looks like he is a... Uh, uh, you know, kind of leveled out and his role is in the NBA is the role he's in now. Um, if, if De'Aaron Fox was to miss time, that, that would be a problem. But, uh, you know, if a guy like Davion Mitchell can step up just a little bit, if Terrence Davis can get a little more minutes and he's shown that he can score in bunches and in limited time can step up just a little bit. Um, I think it's not going to be fine, but it's the NBA, man. Guys get hurt all the fucking time. It, it, you know, things can change. If Sabonis goes down tomorrow, you know, we're going to come on here probably Wednesday or Thursday and on our next show and talk about, holy shit, how Sacramento going to fill this void and all that stuff. But um, so far, they've shown that they have the depth and they have the ability to sustain Fox taking two or three games off a time. So uh, we're just going to have to wait and see, man. I saw a stat. Maybe it's been busted in the last two days, but it was a couple. It was like two days ago and how the Memphis Grizzlies top four players hadn't played a one game together fully uh this season and i bring that up because that's just a good example of what it takes to be in that upper echelon in the conference and really to be a playoff team is you have to be able to do shit like that um so that's what i said i'm optimistic in that this is the best king's roster that they've had in the past years to to be able to do that but they've been able to do that by relying on guys who i believe in like monk like Terrence Davis, uh, when Trey Lyles is healthy, Trey Lyles gets minutes. I I, I trust Trey Lyles to play. Um, it's when you start tapping into the uh, Paulas and particularly the Rashawn Holmeses 
And then, like you said, uh, let's have a conversation about Davion Mitchell even more than you did because I I wanted to give my two cents on it too. I was I've been real hot on Davion Mitchell back to even last year as a rookie. I, I believed in him. I I think that I thought he could be more of a scorer. I think maybe uh, it was you know not saying he can't, but we like to believe in what people show you, not in what we think and project they can do. That's something Kings fans always do is they have an idea of what a player could be. And so they start to project that success onto that player. They've never done it. We don't do that. We kind of, we have our beliefs in what players could be, but they need to show us that it's, it's some, it's some, some consistency for us, you and I particularly to buy in. Right. And I think we maybe got fooled or something with Davion Mitchell towards the end of last year. His scoring, his, he was very agile. You know, um, he played minutes. But this year, six points a game, dude. And I'll be honest, because that's what we do. That's a that's kind of a fucking joke to me. It's it's a joke. It's a joke to me. I I, I think that first round pick, top ten pick, a guy who played a lot of minutes last year. You would expect that it's like. This year, it's pretty much right there. You know, it's right there for him. He gets in the game, perform like I, and it, it, he doesn't shoot consistently, doesn't score consistently. His biggest attribute really has been that, like in certain stretches, third quarter, four, they they can put him on a guard. Uh, you know, okay, Darren Fox doesn't have to guard someone for a stretch, but like really, it's the fucking NBA. You can kind of get that out of any a lot of players if you really wanted to. And not get the scoring. I mean, how many how many teams that can you think of in your past, Ryan, that have had a guard who can go out there and defend someone and you don't ask them to score? So that's not hard, I guess is what I'm saying. Like that's not that valuable. Um, and I don't want to shit on the guy completely. And I'm doing so because I was such a uh, I was so hot on the guy. I was such a believer and optimistic about the guy that I feel like I have to be real right now and talk about that. And and, and that we're a month and a half or however long it's been into the season and you're averaging six points a game and you, you, you know, you're getting surpassed by, uh, you know, other guys who really shouldn't be surpassing you. I feel like at times, honestly, Malik Monk seems to be more of the, the, what well, I mean, it seems to be, he is the next guy up with af- off the starting five, even with some ball handling response. Have you seen a lot of that? Malik Monk seems to be primarily bar- ball handling. So it's like, at what point, what are you doing? And I've seen some mock trade stuff come out, Ryan, where it talks about, you know, the you know, you always get these every year. We, just get, we always get these trade pieces, these trade packages that get put into the trade machine. And this year, it's it's uh, Davion Mitchell, Rashawn Holmes, and whatever picks that the Kings are allowed to give up for player X. And it's like that. Is that what it's become? Where the top ten player, top ten pick from last year, has become essentially kind of like a stackable piece in a trade. And I'm disappointed by that. And I think that if he had, if he can come out and offer a little bit more, I think the Kings could be even better. And to this point, I don't know how much belief I have. Like you said, if he has to step in for extended time, that he's going to do it. I, I don't. I don't know. It's a question mark. Not saying he can't. But I don't know if he can, and I think that's valid. Hundred percent. And you know, the biggest thing I've seen with with Davion Mitchell is um, the evolution of the offensive game. Right. Uh, if anything, I think it's maybe went back just a little bit, maybe because of Mike Brown coming in, and maybe they're running different offense, whatever, whatever it is. Right. But uh, you know, I, I was watching the game the other night, and uh, 
shit was it mark jones i think called him off night right like oh off night with the layup and i'm like are we still calling that guy that you know he's an (laughs) undersized guard and you know people his whole thing coming out of the draft was how great of a defender he was and uh I don't see it, man. And that's the kind of thing that's really disappointing. It's like the one thing that he was known for coming out of college was this great defender. And is he really making that big of a difference defensively for Sacramento? Um, It's kind of disheartening. And then on top of that, you add the regression in the offense, Um, you know, and we can, you know, maybe, you know, we can contribute that to a different type of offense that they're running and different coaching staff and all that. But um it has been a little disappointing, and I have seen those trade ideas out for Davion Mitchell. It's like Davion Mitchell, whatever pick you can give in Rashawn Holmes and to go get you a player. And, um, you know, unfortunately, that's where we are at at this point in uh, in his career. But I'm not too mad at it, to be honest with you. I, I, it's not like I'm really upset. I mean, it's hard to get upset when Sacramento's 16 and 12 and they have an extremely favorable schedule coming up, right? Like, I, I think we're going to talk a month from now and Sacramento is going to be well above the 500 mark extended, you know, probably seven games, eight games above 500 a month from now. And, um, you know, if they're making a move for Davion Mitchell and they move off from him a month from now, it's I'm OK with it. If it makes the team better, it is what it is. That's what happens with teams um, as they progress up the up the food chain. Right. Like. You know, you, you draft guys and you get better and, you know, maybe you, you move off of them because you have a chance to be better now. Um, if Sacramento was bad, I, I don't think we'd be in this, this this predicament, right? Like if Sacramento was five games under 500, I don't think they'd be considering moving Davion Mitchell just because of he's young and, you know, his evolution of his game and all this stuff. But um, fortunately, Sacramento's good and they're in a win now situation. Um, they have their core there. And, uh, you know, if Davion Mitchell gets moved, he gets moved. I'll come on here and say, you know, it is what it is. But it is something that is disappointing. You know, I, I thought, I, and I'll be the first to admit it, man, I came on here and, and we talked about who had the uh, the opportunity to be the Kings' second or third leading scorer before the season started. And I came on here and, I, and I'll, I'll admit it, I was fucking wrong. I said there was a real chance that Davion Mitchell would outscore Harrison Barnes this year. Just because I thought Davion Mitchell would take a little bit of a step. I want to say he averaged 10 or 11 points last year or something like that. and Whatever it was, I don't know. But um, I thought that he would get the opportunity to, to to score a little more. And it just hasn't been there. And, uh, you know, you know, we like to talk when you know about when we were right. And we talk when we were wrong. And I was fucking wrong about that. That guy's regressed offensively. And it's, you know, it is what it is, though. But fortunately, Sacramento is in the position where... Um, you know, they, they possibly could move off him. There is, you know, it's not like he's a bust or anything, you know, I, but it is, you know, I'll come on here and admit when I'm wrong is what I'm trying to say. I think it was a good take. You, you made a couple of good takes there. I want to pick at. So number one is it's true as teams move up and you said a good term, the food chain uh, players like that become less for lack of a better phrase, valuable, or I guess, Spendable. right. More they, they be, or become more expendable. You know, it's a good example with the first person you thought of that came to my mind that everybody out there in Kingsland who does their fake ass blog mock drafts wanted a couple years ago was Aaron Nesmith. Everybody wanted Aaron Nesmith. Everybody wanted the Kings to draft him. And then they wanted the Kings to trade Harrison Barnes to the Celtics for him because of blah, blah, blah. That fool got traded. That fool got traded. He's on the, he's on the Pacers now. 
you know, so he got traded right away. And that was a guy everybody wanted just drafted. But what, why? Well, because the, the Celtics needed to move up and move on. And I'm pretty sure, and this is all the top of my head, but I'm, didn't they trade him for like Malcolm Brogdon? Was he included in that trade? It had to have yeah, been. Yeah, right? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happens. You know, you take a young guy, whatever, maybe he's good, maybe he's not, and you upgrade to something more solid at this point. So I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm not going to be upset if they trade him by any means because I don't get attached like that like some people do. I'm not going to cry about that. But um, that was a good take. Second thing is coaching and players' roles. I wanted to talk about that because it, I think that there's some evidence on that on the Kings roster. But before I go in there, it's, it's, why, it's why the Kings over, you know, one of these days, maybe one day if we ever have, feel the need to, we can talk about why the Kings were so bad for so long. And that's something that when you when you're constantly turning over a front office and a coaching staff, you kind of get play you get players for a specific scheme of the time, specific usage of the time. Then you move off of those coaches and front office, and you're kind of left with said players paid for some period of time, and then they kind of misfits outcasts to the roster. It's a common thing in sports. I think a, one, a real common example is like in the NFL, when you're constantly overturning, you have different defensive schemes, pass rushers, line, you know, it's the same thing in basketball too, right? And um, you're right. Like you said that about, well, maybe it's because Mike Brown's the coach. And that's probably true. Mike Brown clearly has come in with a real plan on how to use the key players on the team. And he's not out here trying to make uh, lemonade from lemons, so to speak, like Luke Walton had to do last couple years with the Holmes or whoever else. He doesn't need to do that. He's focusing on the big players and the and the guys who are here and everybody else who are holdovers. If they don't fit, it, it is what it is. And so I think the two guys who really – there's really three guys in the roster. So it's, it's Rashawn Holmes, David Mitchell, and then Harrison Barnes. I feel like Harrison Barnes, whatever, you could say he's the crafty veteran, the jack of all trades, all the bullshit stuff people say about him, right? He has adapted and found his place, but the other two have not, I don't think. And I think that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to the coaching. And when you fire coaches or fire front office people, you get some holdovers. It's happened the last couple of years. Look at Bogdanovich. Okay, that was a guy that the Kings had to fire some people and do different stuff. So they got rid of him because he was kind of a holdover from the previous. So, you know, I, I think that... um that's probably what's going on. I guess that's probably that's probably what's going on in my case with with Damon Mitchell and Rashawn Holmes. I mean, just having when when Rashawn Holmes is sitting on the bench and he's a guy who's playing starters minutes the last couple of years, but then now he's not. So maybe maybe that's it right there. Um, I have something though, Mike, about Mike Brown, Ryan. That that um, is that I I, I got to give some credit too. You want to talk about where we were wrong? I was pretty skeptical about him during the last during during the off season last year in the key. Kings were going through that that coaching hire, you know. I I don't know, but I gotta give credit where credit's due. The guy came in with a real plan. It kind of goes along the lines with what I've said. I like the way they're using using the players. So, you know, like I said, if if anything that's been the theme between you and me, it's like cautious, cautiously optimistic or just optimistic. Where are you at at this point with the uh, on that? Oh, I'm optimistic, dude. Yeah, I'm optimistic. There's w- without a doubt, man. One thing that Sacramento shown me early on is they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat minus the New York game last week, right? Like it is what it is. You're on the road trip. You go to New York. It is what it is, but uh, they're beating those teams. They're supposed to beat. They're figuring it out. You know, the other night against Detroit, 
it was a close game, right? Like Sacramento was kind of teetering and I was sitting there and I'm like, fuck, dude. And I was drinking some beers. I'm like, fuck. Is Sacramento really going to fall fall to a Detroit team when they really needed to come out of this 500 on this road trip? There's a big difference between 502 and four early on in the year. And um, I'm optimistic because they took care of it, right? And then you look at the schedule. I've said it multiple times today already, but you look at the schedule moving forward, man. I have the confidence in this team, if healthy, that they can continue that against the teams they're supposed to beat. So uh, extremely optimistic, man. And, you know, me and you always say the NBA season, you don't have until Christmas. Well, we're almost there. And the best part of the NBA season is middle of January to the middle of February, that trade deadline. And you really see teams directions. You're going to see those teams who are kind of sticking around at the bottom of the West, who are going to bail and start to tank. And you're going to see the teams who really want to be there and elevate themselves into that playoff picture, uh, take, you know, take form. So we're almost there, dude. I'm it's, it's really exciting. We are almost to that part of the season where it's like, all right, let's fucking go and let's make a real push. That's pretty much going to be a theme, then. I think that as the season shapes up, it always kind of starts to develop. And in the past years, it's, it seems to always have been about like what moves need to be made to make the team better because the team's not good enough. This year, it kind of seems like the team might be good enough. They just need to continue to, to stay on the trajectory because I think they've shown us enough. The next month, though, this next month is going to be is so, is so big. Uh, if anything, the last couple of years, the Kings have always through December have always been rough, and it seems like second half, it's been a little too little too late. Uh, so I don't know what that means as far as trends go, but if anything, maybe they can just continue to get better and better and better. W- at what point do you want, are, are we going to talk about transactions, Ryan? Like, when, when, are, when are you there where you kind of like, okay, I kind of know who's in, who's not? Because that's that's been a big staple of the podcast the last couple of years. And like I said, only just because the Kings have been bad. So when you're bad, you're kind of always looking on how to get better. Are you big on on a transaction move? And like, do you think when do you think that's going to be a topic of conversation? It's circulating. Oh man, uh, now I would be lying if I didn't say that I've been looking every single day at at moves that could possibly make Sacramento better. Um, they're past the point of you know tanking. Um, and then I, I honestly, when you look at the playoff picture in the West and you look at, there's a change right now going on in the NBA in the Western conference. Okay. There, there is this change where, you know, Phoenix is at a point where Chris Paul's aging. The warriors are at this point where their core is getting older. You have the, the Curry injury, Draymond's fallen off. You have the Lakers who have appeared to just hit a wall. LeBron's approaching 40. Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. Uh, the powers in the West are shifting. And I think Sacramento is in a good place, man. And when you look at that, I, I start looking at, all right, Sacramento, you can make a move now. There is no clear cut number one in the West. I'll be honest with you. I, every night the Kings go into a Western Conference game, I look at it, I'm like, holy shit, they can win this game, right? So I, I think the time is now. I think Sacramento's already looking at it. I think they need to, uh, you know, uh, ASAP. The second the the chess pieces start falling, I think Sacramento needs to get in in the mix of it and start making moves to improve the roster. Um, and I think anybody listening to this podcast, anybody in Kingsland, um, is seeing the same thing, right? Like it, it, we got to improve the roster now. Um, so yeah, I, I I think Sacramento now now it is it's time. I think that's a tease, man. I think I agree. 
I agree. And I think that's a little bit of, like I said, a tease for, for probably what's going to be the topic of conversation in the next couple of weeks, how to separate themselves, who's in, who's going to be a part of the team, who's going to be able to rotation and who's going to get moved. So, um, big, big, a lot of home games this week. Are you going to any home games this week, Ryan, or are you out? Oh man. Um, let me bring up the schedule real quick. I don't think so. So I think I sold my Lakers tickets. I sold the Charlotte tickets for sure. Um, maybe oh shit. I think that the next game possibly is like the 28th against the Nuggets. I'm not going the 27th. So I think the 28th against the Nuggets, maybe the 30th against the Jazz. But I'm out. Hey, let's be real, man. Those Lakers tickets, even though the Lakers fucking suck, they sell for the premium price, dude. Like. I had I had to get rid of those. So um, yeah, Nuggets the twenty eighth or Jazz the thirtieth. I think I think is the next time we'll be able to make it out there. We'll probably record before then. So uh, holidays are coming up. Ryan and I probably be on uh, a little more regularly, maybe a couple episodes a week, just because we have the time and why not, dude? Well, home games, Kings are looking good. It's fun, and it's you know why not come on here and talk? So hey guys, we appreciate you listening. And if you ever want to react or be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find Ryan and I on Twitter. And Facebook at Kingscast Eric and at Kingscast Ryan. Um, if you want to interact with us, just do it on there. Um, if you want to support Kingscast, please slide down on Apple Podcasts or slide up on Spotify after the show and leave us a five star review. It does help us reach more Kings fans just like you. And if you want to listen to anything Kingscast from the past, you can always do so on the Believe Podcast Network, where we are the Sacramento Kings signature show. So, with that, for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kangs. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.